Hi, I'm Dee Wallace, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. I'm excited. I'm sorry. I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie. It's a scary movie. And it still affects me just the same. I cannot put that on. I gotta tell you, something about this movie worked for me. I was oh, like, it rocked. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's debatable. But, I mean, it's a great movie. That You know, I, it's my right as a viewer, as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films, to have my opinions and be disappointed. But that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry for <laughs> that. Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now here are your hosts. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another episode of the Midwest Monsters Podcast, coming to you live from Muncie, Indiana, right here yeah. at Ball State University. I'm one of your hosts. I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by my homeboys, Mad Chan, Professor Wagstaff. Always, always, always good to be with you folks. So, we're coming into... Um, a little special episode this evening. Uh, we have not done a director for a while, that All I recall. Right. Very true. Yeah. So, coming into uh, an episode here about a new guy. Not that new. Ten years old. <laughs> but in the business, right. we would still consider that new. Uh, is he part of the Splat Pack? Uh, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Yeah, he's part of the Splat Pack. Uh, friends, we are talking tonight about director Ty West. And I guess director is painting him with one brush. Um, he's writer. multi. Yeah, he's, yeah. Right, he's writer, director, editor. And he makes sure he puts that on all of his films. Yeah, so. absolutely. Talking tonight about Ty West. Uh, I don't want to say really polarizing in the community, but enough where it, it generates conversation. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It Agre- generates conversation. I would agree 100%. It's about yeah. spot on. Yeah. He doesn't make stuff that's too extremely controversial, but his style of filmmaking creates differing opinions so agreed yeah yeah definitely. you won't hear many people i mean you definitely get a lot of love it or hate it out of his yeah. movies a lot of love it or hate it and i think we'll probably talk about that tonight yeah i've got some interesting yeah, angles got, of my opinion i've got some on takes it. i've got some different takes on Ty West. yeah yeah so uh mad chan maestro want to get us started so Ty West started out and he did a six minute short um, I couldn't get my hands on it. Uh, I'm sure it's out there somewhere, and you internet-savvy people um, can find it. Uh, by all means, go ahead. Like I said, I couldn't get my hands on it. Um, however, if you buy Ty West The Roost, or you watch the DVD for Ty West, first feature-length film, The Roost, his short 11-minute short film, The Prey, is on there. Um, is that was- the same one you're talking about? No, the first one is a completely different one. And The Prey is like his second short film. It's 11 minutes long. The first one's six minutes. Um, So The Prey, he was shot in 2001, written and directed by Ty West. It's essentially a almost a silent film. Like There's really no dialogue in the film. It's about two guys running uh, running through the snow in the woods trying to get away from 
a beast, a savage type beast. And that's what it is. Like the they shoot from the the beast point of view and like a reverse like negative, you know, everything's black and white and a negative. It's really cool. Um, the guys didn't seem very really urgent enough for me in this movie. Like they're supposedly running from this huge beast and they're scared, but at times they're just like, We ought to go. Hey buddy, we ought to go. But the monster looked phenomenal. I thought the monster was really great. Um, it was way better than anything I could have done as a 11-minute short film. Cool. You know, and he had a, a monster, a creature creator come in and work on that. So, I mean, that was it. But like I said, that was a short, that was his uh, second short film, and that was tagged on to his first feature-length film. And the first feature-length film was called The Roost. It was released in 2005, written and directed by Ty West, and it actually starred uh, Tom Noonan. Yeah, as we all know. I was so shocked to see Noonan at the beginning of it. Right, right. And then a uh, gentleman by the name of Carl Jacob, uh, Sean Reed, and then Will and Vanessa Horniff. Horniff. And those and those were the, basically the stars, and there wasn't many more people outside of them that were in this movie. Right. You want to tell us what the movie's about, Grizz? Uh, you got a group of people on their way to a wedding, and they uh, have car troubles, and they get stuck someplace that has a, I don't know if roost is a proper term for a bunch of bats. <laughs> I would think of chickens when I think of a roost. Right. But yeah, they get stuck at this place, and uh, there's bunches of bats, and to be honest, I did not finish the film. So, You're good. Uh, not out of, not out of, like, I was like, oh, this is garbage. It wasn't that It was long. a time constraint. I, yeah, I, I ran out of time. So, I got the gist of the film, but I didn't get the payoff, and I am hoping you guys would explain the payoff if, if, if there is a payoff. Go ahead, uh, Professor. You want to talk, <laughs> you want to tackle the roost? Listen, I, historically through this show, I have not been a hater. I don't hate on okay. a lot of movies. Right. Um. I, I just come from a, uh, a kind of angle of um, embracing art, even when it's not as good as others. I, I don't care about ranking and comparing. So very seldom do I just rip on a movie, but this movie sucks. I mean, okay. there is just no way around it. Like, That's fair. For starters, if you're going to have a notable name like Noonan be a horror host for a you know, like uh, mock television horror show. Right. Have other tales instead of having like him do a wrap around. Yeah, they, like they an, use him as a wrap, an anthology style. Right. I it just everything about this movie was a huge swing and a miss. Like, I I don't know if I'm being unfair in the sense of I saw his movies that came after, after. You know so what I mean? First. So now I come back and I look for reasons right. on why right it his career progressed. Right. And and this movie is in no way indicative or nor my opinion of this movie indicative of what is to come with his work. Right. But I mean it it doesn't happen very often. I just I did not like this movie like at all. See, like I don't have a redeeming quality even in the sense of them showing the the cool reveal at the end right even that it bothered me because that was i didn't get much you know what i mean like it's just like to me that's like that is at the end showing like hey we didn't have enough to do anything else cool but here's something credits i got you i got you uh, yeah, it's just and for his skill set that we will talk about in future films there is no excuse in that because even with low budget 
you could put together a better movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like I'm not. I'm, I, I'm really I, not trying to rip because I will have plenty of nice things to say about his films moving forward. Right. But I hated this movie. Like I very seldom, even halfway through a film, do I am I actually angry? Like I just want it to be over. It was like I just found it incredibly, notably and astoundingly boring. Right. Like just I just wanted it to be over. Like so, this thing was just turd city to me. <laughs> So I've seen uh, I've seen a couple of his movies in uh, as a fan, you know, as a person watching movies. But the, when we decided that we were going to do this show, this podcast over Ty West, The Roost was the first thing I went back and actually watched. Well, I watched The Prey first, but I watched The Roost was the first one I'd watched. Um, I have a few notes on it, and there were a few things that I thought were kind of redeeming. Was uh, it had a very '80s feel to it, like right off the bat, even though they had cell phones, like it had this '80s cool throwback like hey we're pulling over the side of the road our car broke down let's hike up the road um these were some of the most reasonable people i've ever seen in a horror movie their plan of walking up the road makes sense you two stay here we're gonna walk up the road and if we don't see anything we're gonna come back like these kids were like they had a plan it was so i kind of got into the fact that unlike other movies where it's just like hey y'all we'll be back well, what do you want us to do? You know, like, right, like these kids at least right. had a plan. So I really, I was enjoying that for, I was enjoying that for a little bit. Um, but then it kind of took that turn for me, man. Like my instinct. Okay. So like Grizz had brought up, there's vampire spoiler. There's vampire bats in this movie. And, um, once you get bitten by said vampire bats, you turn into an undead type being. That's true. That's real life. That happens. That's real life. <laughs> so I saw that. That's what too, happens though. in this movie is uh, <laughs> they split up and one of their friends gets bitten by a vampire bat and then the cop gets bitten by a vampire bat. Wait, the cop that falls out of the halo? Yeah, yeah, he's bitten actually. When they oh. go up and look at him, those are all bite marks on his oh, head. That's what he's bleeding that's from. That's not blunt force trauma. Okay. No, no, no. The blunt force. So everybody turns into these beings. Um, and the dead come back to life as reanimated corpses. Now I gotta put this out here. Trevor, the, the one of the main characters, I gotta feel like for those of you who've seen this movie, I feel like Trevor is who I would be if the end really came, if we were in that situation and y'all gave me a gun. I would just be shooting everybody that came running <laughs> towards me. Like every time something pops up, Trevor shoots at it. And I just kind of felt like I, I, I can I can understand why he's doing that because I'd probably do the same thing, Heard especially that. after you realize people are zombies or, or vampires or whatever they're supposed to be. Good point. Um, but I agree with the professor in a lot of ways. It just, man, the, there really wasn't much going on. It it was just that you get bit by a vampire bat, you turn into a vampire. And my thing was like, as much as these kids were reasonable in the beginning of the movie. It fizzled out really quick. Like, wouldn't you just stay still? Like, they had secure footing in a room. Nobody could get in or out. The bats couldn't get in. And they were like, instead of just waiting here for the next few hours till the light comes, we're going to try to make a run for it. Like, it was just a whole bunch of yeah. stuff like that. So, I just didn't get that about this movie. And I couldn't go on pretending like, oh, well, this is a great idea for us to keep venturing out to try to fight these bats like i didn't right dig that at all right on anything you want to add professor any, uh, any time mean, any more time we need to spend on just this? i do i want to throw out a few merits of things that i liked you know 
Um, I liked Noonan as the host. I thought that was fun to kind of set the tone, even though... Because he it, played it purposefully bad. Yeah. And I it, liked that. that. That was great. And even though it didn't pay off in, in the vein of anthology style or really fitting into a feature, you know what I mean? In the, in the way that they right. chose to format the film from there on out. Nonetheless, I did enjoy Noonan as that horror host. Um, I liked the setting. That yeah. did get me excited initially in the Halloween and, and it's rural. Like, right. So, I mean, like this movie is not completely a wash. No. It just, it just fell completely short for me. Um, Dude, and for a first feature, I mean, it was a good movie for a first feature. Honestly. Yeah, I don't think it was. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, for yeah. his first feature film out the gate. Dude, I've seen a lot worse. So, But would you say this is enough to warrant him having an episode years later and the career that he's had? Honestly, he kind of, he showed some promise. So I can see why he was given a, why he was given a chance because the characters made just the right amount of wrong decisions in this movie for it to, to, you could see that he knew what he was doing. He just needed a little more honing. Well, and I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here real quickly. If you're a producer and and you are in the studio and you have an Adam Green and this. Who are you giving money to? I, I, I would go with the Green because Hatchet showed a lot more promise yeah. for a first My movie. My only point is yeah. that just with the track record, which I am impressed with from yeah, here yeah, on yeah. out, this was a little shocking of okay. a debate. That's good. Debut I, that, film. I see that. Okay. Enough time spent on the roost. Let's move along. Oh, wait. Well, too much, probably. Um, <laughs> second, we had uh, House of the Devil, 2009, written and directed by Ty West. House of the Devil. Again, bringing back Tom Noonan yeah. for a bigger role this time. Um, bringing back um, from um, bringing back Mary, or we not bringing back, but we have Mary Warnoff. Of, of stuff. Thank you. Chopping Mall. Yes. Warlock. Right. Um. Rock and Roll High School. Thank you. Miss D. Rock, Wallace plays the landlady in this movie. We have uh, Megan, the best friend, played by Greta Gerwig. Samantha, our main character, played by Jocelyn Donahue. And then my favorite character in this movie, Victor, played by A.J. Bowen. Take yes. it away. Anybody else other than me? All right. The intro is very effective. In the 1980s, 70% of U.S. adults believed in extensive, abusive, satanic cults. In the 1980s, 70% of U.S. adults believed in extensive, abusive, satanic cults. Would you guys Would you guys venture to say that this has a very, even though it said 80s, has a very 70s feel to it? I'd say right in between. I'd say right on that borderline. That blend of cinema that's like late 70s and early yeah, 80s. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, if I were leaning towards, I would say early 80s. Okay. That setup to me, I love that setup at the beginning. Because we talked about this in a previous episode. I remember uh, Satanic Hysteria. I've got a great book in the other room called Satan Wants You. And it's about the hysteria around Satanism in the early to mid 80s. Like people were terrified. Obsessed, too. Yeah, right, and obsessed. And, like, the funny thing is, it's all backlash. It's always a backlash. What was big in the early 80s? You got, you know, you know, metal started earlier than that, but really you got a lot of the mainstream satanic imagery and metal starting in the 80s. Other bands were using satanic stuff beforehand, but it wasn't in the mainstream. Now it is the knee-jerk reaction. 
by the you know religious right is going to be oh satanism is taking over the country which mm-hmm. couldn't have been further from the fear mongering yes right. very much fear mongering pandering getting votes hello 2016 coming up <laughs> um but i love that that was how he opened the film to let you know mm-hmm. where we're coming from how do you guys feel about the feel of the movie i a hundred percent love it yeah I, oh i'm right with you i this, love the feel of the film this changed um in many ways how i watch modern movies especially um independent or lower budget I remember coming across this in a Target years back when it had first hit DVD. I mean, like, what is this? Great cover art. Yeah, Great and art. and just buying it blindly and uh, getting home and just being floored because it looked like all these old movies I knew. Like, And, uh, you know, just it kind of being a fresh, original approach to film and plot and subject matter and really wanting to revisit and you got to keep in mind too that you know by the time this would have been out on home video, this was like what five or six years ago. So you know we're looking at you know really just being completely stale and worn out with remakes and regurgitating all of the older films. And for somebody to instead say, "No, I'm not going to redo the exact movie. I'm going to go back and make it look like yes that yep." And and for me like. You know, and along along the way, there's been complaints with this films with this film with certain people, and I just I don't hear it. You know what I mean? I know there's things that people don't like about it, but for me, it was somebody saying, "I'm going to do my own thing, regardless of its success or what you think about it. I'm going to make a movie." And it had been so long since I watched something like that, just because I gotten in the habit of, as we you know I just mentioned remakes. Uh, you know, is this a regurgitation of a Japanese movie? Is it a reboot? Is it a revision? Yada, yada, yada. And then there's somebody here that's saying, hey, we're going to go back to this old time. We're going we're gonna to make it look like that. And guess what? I don't give a shit what you think about the ending. I'm going to make my own movie. And I just, I was floored by it. And I, you know, I probably watched this movie once a year and I like it more each time I watched it. I, I liked it a lot originally and I just, it doesn't waver. I really like the film. Matt Tan. Um, I thought the movie was uh like I said, the movie took me back to the seventies style, the uh the the cult type movies, you know, the the Charlie Manson esque, you know Great credits. Yeah, yeah, basically, man. The the opening title sequence is what really got me back there. They gave me that feel. Um there's elements about this movie that just had me that had me doing that old school thing. I was talking to the screen, and that's how I knew I real I was really enjoying this film because I was just like, "Why are you staying? There ain't no kid. Just get out there. Just leave. you know, <laughs> right, like it was right. just things like that." Yeah. So I mean, it, I already had um, like as much as I was digging the the opening credit sequence and it, just leading into the movie itself, that had me going. And when I found myself talking to the screen in the middle of the night watching this movie. It was like, oh, that's great. See, I got um, they handed me an eleven by seventeen inch poster at a convention I went to several years ago, and it was like, oh, this is uh, this is House of the Devil, you know. And I was like, oh, what's that? And they were like, we'll come see it at nine. And I didn't go. I was just like, oh, whatever. I had other things to do. We didn't. I didn't used to stay at convention. In your defense, that's 
often. Right, right. People hand me stuff, and I'm like, yeah, I'll be there, bro. (laughs) (laughs) But, I mean, so we didn't go, and so I'd actually put this movie off for a long time. And then when I finally watched it, like, I kind of, I really got into it for those levels, man. And there's a lot of things in this movie that are, uh, I can point out individually, but there's certain scenes in this movie that take me right, that drew me in, and I couldn't stop watching. So this gal is, uh, she's a college student. Yep. Needs a little bit of money. She just got a new place, which is good because her roommate sucks. Yep. Uh, and gets a new place, and she needs to make some money. See, she's a she, she's a bad babysitter right. wanted. Calls the number. Uh, finally gets in a roundabout way connected, and all through the while, what I like is that very subtly they keep talking about this eclipse. It's supposed to happen tonight. This eclipse once in a lifetime. This eclipse coming. You know, no, no, no. And not ramming it down your throat, but you keep hearing it in the background. Well, then you get there. She finally makes it to the house. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Noonan is the the main guy. Comes in, finds out it's not to watch a child. It's to watch over mother. Mother. And... He keeps talking about how special the eclipse is and how grateful he is. And she's like, nah, I got to bounce. I can't do this. And he's like, I'll pay you whatever you want. You call it. So where did they go? That's a good question, Professor. I don't know if we assume that it is part of the routine to alienate and leave them there for a certain period of time until... okay. The, the process with the eclipse. Right. Or if they actually have somewhere to be okay, with the okay. intention so of doing it wondering. afterward. I personally, I think more than anything, it's a plot device okay. um, for us to, to really build suspense of the girl alone in the house with mystery. We learn important things through a picture that yes. we find in the house. Right. Yes. Um, right. And, and really, more than anything, I think just for great storytelling, more than any real importance for why they're gone. I think it's just a vehicle. Okay. Can I just mention now, and I, I should have brought this up during the roost because we find that in the roost, but can I just mention that Ty West loves long silences? Yeah. yeah. Ty West also loves the blood red moon. Yes. We long silences and blood red moons. <laughs> Ty West loves a long silence. Yeah. And I like it too. I applaud that though. Yeah. Though. Oh, he's That's not, assuming he's not scared, that yeah. your audience isn't idiots, which is rare anymore. He's not scared to just let the let it let it let sit on the frame. Yeah, yep. just let it sit on the frame. I House enjoy that. Of the devil I wrote is a textbook on fake out one oh one. House of the Devil sets up every shot. That should lead to a jump scare. Oh yeah, I have got that right here. It doesn't. Like he sets up every textbook jump scare shot and then doesn't give it to you. He does that. He does that a lot. If you watch, mm-hmm. when you're watching Ty West movies, where you think something's going to come get you, it doesn't, and the, you it lingers. I particularly oh love the scene with the headphones. And where we journey into the music, yeah, yeah. that's so effective. One thing because we've another always by the fix. We've all had headphones on before and kind of had that thought: like, I can't hear anything in this house that I'm alone in right now. Oh well, I'm going to jam out. Yes. So I think that's very effective. Her dancing through the house. I mean, that just was a great setup, mm-hmm. and it was very. It's a great scene. Very, yeah, dude, it was very what we think of of the time when you show movies like that. 
Because every time you turn around, you know, you watch the the 80s movies, somebody's got a Walkman on and they're they're shutting themselves out and they're into their tunes. Yeah, man. Um, you talk about the jump scares, man. There's the scene in the car with the best friend. Oh, yes. Ty wet, like there. literally. So AJ Bowen walks up to the car and the, the best friend is trying to light her cigarette and she can't. And AJ Bowen comes up and leans in the windows like with a lighter and you get a small little jump scare and he's like I thought I thought you needed a light. She's like, "Oh, okay." And he's like, "Nice night and blah blah." And she's like, "Why are you being so nice to me or whatever?" And he's like, "Aren't you the babysitter?" And she goes, "No." And without missing a beat, this cat pulls out a gun and blows her face off. And I, at that point, I was just I was done. Like I was glued to this movie whatever else happened for the rest of this movie, I was going to watch it. I don't care if aliens would have came out and started tap dancing. I was watching the rest of this movie. Oh, yeah. Dude, he had me. That was a great and scene. And every movie after that, because Ty West, that was the moment where I realized Ty West wasn't scared to go there. He's not scared to go there. Yeah. He's just like, okay, take care of that. Yeah. And I want to point out that A.J. Bowen in this movie is creepy. Yeah, yeah. Yes, fuck. He's a pizza guy. <laughs> he's a pizza guy call the number get the pizza he, tom noonan keeps pushing that issue call the number get the pizza you know um so i like how she throws the throws the money at him she's like keep the change keep the change <laughs> so he, i'm he not just goes outside lights a cigarette sits down he's like i'm gonna to kill you in a minute i'm just gonna smoke first i'm not gonna say in closing because it always freaks match in out but i am gonna say you know headed toward coming down the home stretch here we find out that this home is part of a family that is part of one of these satanic cults. Yes. Yes. And that's what's going on. Now, I want to say that the first time I watched this film, the ending left me underwhelmed because it just, it wasn't like violent enough for me, but then rewatching it, I thought it's very effective. So the first time around, I love the buildup, but I didn't think the payoff was big enough. But this second time around, watching <laughs> it, knowing what I was getting into, I thought it was perfect. Yeah. I think this is an excellent film. <laughs> I, You know, and in defense of what you're saying, I think also, too, we were younger. I mean, I won't yes, speak for you, right. but... This I was mean, six years ago. Yeah, I wanted a different horror film yeah, six years ago. Yeah, it's not ages ago. I'm a but, different man now. Yeah, but uh, there's a big Honestly. difference between your mid-20s and your mid-30s for yeah. what you're watching. Yep. Um, especially with that much suspense and buildup. And something that used to infuriate me with this film was people who would use the term that just makes me want to vomit when they're like, it's a slow burn. <laughs> slow burn has become synonymous with I'm not smart enough to watch a movie that doesn't have shit blowing up or people right. being attacked every five seconds. It is not a slow burn in the sense of that there are continual pieces of a puzzle being fed to you to put together. A slow burn is a movie that is character development with not much going on for an hour. Right Now, granted, we do watch a girl house sit, but there are things given. We, find, we discover a picture in the house. That leads us to realize this isn't the homeowner's house. They are driving these people's car. What's going on? Hey, man, this is a private residence. Especially (laughs) with, as you mentioned earlier, too, the framing of shots that are traditionally led are leading you to believe you're about to be scared. There is suspense buildup. So it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to call it a slow burn, that's fine. But to me, most of the time when people throw that out there, it's more from an angle of derogatory, you know, terms right. for it. Like, it's not a, it's not a slow burn. It's just not stupid. Yeah. Like, if you've got the intellect to pick up what the director is putting down for you, it's not a slow burn. It's it's scary and it's and it's, it's suspenseful, and it also goes pretty extreme towards the end. Yeah. And oh, yeah. and this is an interesting comparison, at least for me. I don't know if you guys will agree why something like this is considered a slow burn, but something like Last Exorcism isn't. When people talk about it, you know what I mean. Like yeah. the ending was so crazy. That movie was wild. I'm like, uh, it's handheld footage for an hour plus with not a whole lot going on and trickery from a guy who's pretending to do exorcisms and then the most absurd ending ever. So we actually reel both of those elements in on this towards the middle and make a, you know, actually a more eventful buildup and suspenseful with a more toned down ending in comparison it's just interesting how people kind of absorb movies differently. To me, this this movie was stellar. I love it. I would recommend it to anybody. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but I really enjoy it. Oh, yeah. So I got to read one of my notes to you, and I, I need you guys to weigh on on this. It says, why does she slap Rocky Dennison in the face? That ain't right. <laughs> she had to do she had to weigh in on that. I think it's a valid point. No, like what that character we hadn't seen before, and it's a disformed figure. And that's my, that was my note on that. It's like she she slaps the thing in the face, and that's all I thought was like, oh no, don't slap Rocky Dennison in the face. That's wrong. Um, here's my here's my take on the end of this movie, and this will be all I have to say about it. Is um, damn, that isn't what I saw there saw happening there. I never thought she would do what she did, but the effects were irreversible. She did what she had to do. And on that note, I would have liked the movie better if it would have ended there. I didn't. The little extra, the extra little thing was just a little too. I mean, I still like the movie. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I didn't need the hospital thing at the end. I was fine with blackout. I was fine with it. If they'd have rolled credits there, I'd have been fine. Right. And that's a pretty intense ending. Oh yeah. 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 Either way. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that's just my last thought on it. Uh last right, thing, last thing I want to say, uh, besides her amazing dance sequence with her headphones on, the rest of the music is very effective. For the yes, whole film. Definitely, definitely. Music is fantastic. Music is great. I like it's not it's subtle choices. Yeah. Instead of like hitting you over the head with eighties music, it's a little bit lesser known, less yep. obvious choices for it. Absolutely. Ramadan. <laughs> okay so anything left to say uh on house of the devil i know we mentioned it but i just want to emphasize aj bowen how effective he was um from obviously the scene we mentioned with you know you're not the babysitter oh but also his death and oh yeah 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 we watch a lot of death in films yeah being horror fans his was a particular standout I, i mean uh, it's painful to watch, obviously, but then also the framing holds him through that for a pretty extended period of time. And if you notice, he doesn't blink. I mean, the guy is just always on point. What you know, in any capacity with, and we'll discuss him more in, in you know, and some more even in, within this episode. But 
I'm continually impressed with his dedication to it without it being blatantly obvious. He is quietly building an impressive resume. Bro, like, from, from speaking from a guy who shot that death scene, not that particular one, but from a guy who shot at that scene where you focus in on the eye, bro, that's hard for somebody to do. Mm-hmm. Legit. I mean, it is. I, we went through 15 takes just to try to get Kitsy to keep her eye open for a length of time until we could pan off of her face. And that's hard to do, man. Like I just, and some of you guys out there are like, man, I can do it. Well, go ahead and do it. I don't care. Yeah, I'm saying AJ Bowen did it impressively. Nice. <laughs> that was all though. I yeah, I, I really like the film. I would recommend it to anybody. Absolutely, any type of fan. It's it's got its merits for all kinds of different people. You want to move on to a movie I'd never recommend to anybody? I would love to, sir. <laughs> Cabin Fever Two, Spring Fever, two thousand nine as well, directed by Ty West. Writer, Joshua Malkin. Now, we got to point out that writer Joshua Malkin on this. Um, so, it's rumored that Adam <laughs> Green took a stab at the at writing. Which he, he's admitted. Right, right. And uh, Eli took a stab. Eli Roth took a stab at writing it, too. And the, um, the studio threw both of their versions out. And they drafted up a brand new version of this movie. And Ty West is credited with story. Now, if you look at every other one of Ty West's movies, he's always the writer. He's writer, director, editor is how he builds himself. He didn't write this one. And you're about to find out why. (laughs) So we have Ryder Strong coming back as Paul. Um, Giuseppe Andrews, who's amazing, by the way, coming back as Deputy Winston. Um, We have Mark Center playing Mark. We have Alexi Wasser playing Cassie and Noah Sagan playing John. And I'd like to point out that Mark Borchardt makes an appearance in this movie. And for those of you that don't know, Mark is from American Movie. And he made a little movie you guys might know as Coven. (laughs) No, man, because Kevin sounds too much like Evan. It's Coven. (laughs) Uh, Apparently, he's made lots of film film, movies. appearances that i haven't seen up to yeah, this point yeah, yeah, yeah. but i was excited I when no i saw he that. was in this movie dude. uh professor have you seen american movie i have it's been a very long time since i have oh, but man, i, I love, love it it's one of my favorite documentaries of all you time. showed it to me yeah, awesome yeah, yeah. a credit card <laughs> <laughs> sweet fucking ass a new credit card uh man yeah i love that cameo and just can i just say how Awesome as Giuseppe Andrews. Giuseppe Andrews is always awesome. Everything he does. And you know what? After talking to Adam Rifkin like we did, I like him even more because he gives us a, he gave us a little insight into awesome who Giuseppe is. is. Not awesome enough to save this pile of shit. <laughs> That's true. God. So, this is Cabin Fever 2. This is a sequel to... Um, Cabin Fever? Uh, Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, which I love. Eli Roth's Agreed. love note. Love to Evil Dead. I love Cabin Fever. And uh, I want to tell you that the first five minutes of this had been very optimistic. Oh, yeah. Very. Uh, Can I just say, was that really Ryder Strong in the beginning? Or was that a guy in the Ryder Strong No, it was him. him. Really? Yeah, it was him. Because I knew he was credited in the film, but he comes back in flashbacks later. So I didn't know if that was really him. No, that was him. Okay. I thought that was a guy in a Ryder mask. My bad. No. Uh, And then you get the title screen. When he gets smoked by that bus. Yep. Which, that was just a moose. And that, that's where that's where everything goes downhill. <laughs> right. Um, it was a moose. <laughs> it was just a moose. Um, the original yeah, movie takes man. place in North Carolina. There aren't mooses in North Carolina. Right. 
yeah, man, you just hit a moose, Giuseppe Andrews. He's like, man, I've seen way more fucked up shit than this, And then he has man. a picture of the moose on his phone. <laughs> um, but that, that down-home water cartoon at the beginning was great. Did you like that? <laughs> the, That's the, when the movie started going downhill for me. The intro cartoon <laughs> and the exit cartoon were the only two good parts of this film. Okay. Besides every scene that Giuseppe Andrews was in. <laughs> right on, I'll give you that. Um, so what about the bathroom blowjob scene? I knew Oof. you were going to bring that up. I said this this scene has Mad Chan all over it. Oh God! I just threw my microphone on me. You know why I love this so much? Because she had the boils on her lips. <laughs> so noises. that's where it began. That's where it began. My major complaint with this movie is it was filled with unnecessary grossness. Mm-hmm. I don't mind gore. I don't mind blood. But that shit that's unnecessary. The bathroom BJ, the guy pissing in the punch bowl, uh, the guy is trash. Oh yeah, kid, the, this it movie. is the guy in the library, and he pulls out his wiener, and it's like shooting out pus and blood. This is unnecessary. Oh, this the, is the scene, not... the scene in the pool. Yeah. Oh, the whole yeah. scene, and the, the the only redeeming factor about that that had any horror was when the guy slipped off and cracked his head. Oh, I felt that. Oh yeah, right. I, I shivered scene, too. Dude, yeah. the whole rest of the scene was. This movie is a prime example and living proof of what the studios in Hollywood think of the common viewer. Yeah, because really. because this movie is a studio movie. Yep. Everybody associated with it by the time it was done said, "This isn't our movie. We don't want anything to do with this." Yep. And Ty West re- tried to get the Alan Smithy credit on it, right. and they would not honor it. Because he's not in the DGA. He wasn't yeah. in the DGA. And so here we are with his name on it, and he's publicly said over and over again, this is not my movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> and so like, if you need to ever uh, pull upon from a, a reminder of what Hollywood thinks of its common viewer, here's your movie. And guys, I mean, it's just to, garbage. Let's point out some stuff for you guys. And uh, we know, just to keep you guys from maybe, I mean, watch it if you want to watch it. But check this out, guys. There's a scene where the students are trying to get out of the gym. That was stolen directly from Carrie. Oh, yeah. Directly yeah. from Carrie. Is not, there's nothing else to it, man. And then there's a scene where the main character cuts off his hand. Yeah, without flinching. Directly from Evil Dead 2. Right. Cuts off his hand and has his girlfriend cauterize it all without passing out. And he tells her he's going to and still doesn't. That's the thing that kills me. He's like, I'm going to start screaming so bad I'm going to lose a lot of blood. I'm, you know, he, yeah. he tells her and he doesn't do it. Dude, this is a, it's a raunchy, my exact quote that I wrote down. It's all just gross out horror. Yeah. Real horror doesn't rely on throwing up in somebody's mouth three times in one movie. To gross you out. This is gross out horror. It's not. There's no suspense to it. There's no real good story. Like there's nothing about this film that redeems itself. And that strip club scene at the end, oh. which was an afterthought, by the way, it was a re, it was a reshoot. Awful. And yeah. just like the chicks, Awful. the topless chicks in the limo driving down the road. Oh yeah, that was a that was a reshot scene. They were trying no to sense. add more into it. Yeah, try to make it something more than it was, and what it was was a piece of shit already. This movie's awful. It really was, man. Awful. Awful. The only scenes worth a damn have Giuseppe Andrews. Yep. And Mark Morchard. Uh, hey, uh, the, redeeming fa- the redeeming thing in this movie is when Mark drops that elbow in that cop. Yes! <laughs> yes. Yes. 
I'll I'd, tell you, when Carrie and I finished this last night, we were both physically angry. <laughs> I ain't mad at you. I like, we were both just like sitting on opposite ends of the couch, not even next to each other. I knew it was going to be couch. bad. Yeah. It was yeah. so bad. So, guys, I mean, since Ty tried to have his name taken off of this, we, we felt like at least, because he did shoot, even though he had tried to have his name taken off of it, guys, he did shoot the movie. But I th- I feel like we should go ahead and move on. All right, do it. Because it was horrible. Anybody else say it wasn't horrible? Some of the worst movies I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Low-key, for real. Yeah. Um, we're going to come back in now. I skipped over the miniseries. Did anybody watch the miniseries? I did. I couldn't even find it. He did a miniseries on TV. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to 2011. Um, writer-director Ty West on a movie called The Innkeepers, mm-hmm. uh, starring Sarah Paxson, Kelly McGillis, one of my favorite people of all time, uh, Pat Healy and Lena Dunham, which this was her second Ty West adventure, I think. She's a 911 caller in House of the Devil. Yes. So, um, For you girls fans. First off, I want to point out that I watched Top Gun twice this week. Long story. But <laughs> <laughs> but watching that and then watching The Innkeepers and seeing Kelly McGillis, I just cried a little bit. I just want to point that out. Who was Lena Dunham in this movie? She was the Works barista. The, yeah. yeah. Ah, that's right. Okay. That's right. It's weird seeing her with her clothes on, but... <laughs> so this I love film, Pat Healy, by the way. Yeah, yeah, me Excellent. too, man. And as again, as I said in other episodes, he is slowly looking more and more like Bubbles from Trailer Park Boys <laughs> every day. <laughs> but still love him, right? Uh, so this movie is about, if you can imagine, innkeepers. Uh, what what state are they in? What town? Connecticut. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Another sleepy little New England town mm-hmm. film. Uh, <laughs> They're at a historic <laughs> inn. It's the last day that they're going to be What's open. What's the name of the inn? What was it again? Some uh, Yankee Peddler. The yeah, Yankee Peddler. Peddler. Yankee Peddler. Which is a real inn, by the way. You yep. can go stay at the it's Yankee still Peddler. still there oh, intact. Yep. They didn't yep. change the interior. Future vacation destination. Boom. Um, so uh, they're at the Yankee Peddler. It's the last day it's going to be open. They're amateur ghost hunters, you know, and they're just trying to get some evidence, and they're... Uh, talking trash about other ghost hunting websites and yeah it's just i like it because it's a very place film it's very like we've all been at those jobs where we didn't really give a shit we've all been at those jobs where we just do anything to pass the time and i like that about it i'm gonna be honest right up front i didn't like the ending and i will hopefully get one of you to explain the ending and see if it makes any sense at all Wilson's giving me the peace sign here. There's two ideas that okay. can be taken from that. Okay. Okay. Um, can I say something real quick before we go any further? Sir. I didn't like this movie. Not at all? At all. Oh, really? No, 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 I'm allowed to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Off the charts. Off, Off the, the charts. charts. I, I got to say something, because here's a few of my notes. <laughs> we got EMFs. Off Yay! Something finally happened. There's a piano. Yay! Finally, a ghost in rotting flesh. Yay! This old man killed himself. That's a note. I didn't like uh, this movie. I thought it was too. Sl- I thought it was too slow for me. Well, Matt Chan, this is a slow burn. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being trolled right now. <laughs> um, no, I just so, I know, like everybody's got that one, and I just want to go ahead and put that out there early, so because I, I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. I just I'm letting you know up front. I didn't like this movie. So go ahead. Uh, professor, take a turn. Let me ask you this before okay, I go good. into. You're good. Was this first viewing for either of you? No. Second, uh, second or third? Second. Okay. Um, when I initially watched this film, 
I was left fairly flat. Now, this was when yeah. it first came out. Um, Same here. This would be my third viewing, and each time I've gathered so much more from it. I, I'm starting, especially with this past viewing for this episode, and I don't know if it was because I knew we were going to be discussing it ad nauseum, but okay. I found so much more to this film than I did before. And I, you know, I'd be kind of dishonest here if I didn't say that for this episode, it kind of made me love this movie. Like I've kind of fallen in love with it because of this viewing. Um, Let me just run through a few reasons why. Okay. Um, One, I love that our characters not only are so different, our main two characters are so different in age and gender, um, but they're nerdy. Um, (laughs) in the sense of the, they're just living their life in this little place and it's getting ready to close. Now, obviously the setting, New England kind of hotel, not quite bed and breakfast, but New England hotel in that classic sense is already great in terms of storytelling. Uh, But on top of that, we've got closing weekend. So we've got people coming in for their last hurrah there, everybody who shows interest. But on top of it, you've got these two creatures, and I know that you guys have had this at different jobs, whether it be at restaurants, record stores, wherever we've worked. There's always been one or two people who are dreamers, and I love that Healy was a dreamer. Yeah, His idea was, I'm going to do ghost tours here after this place is gone. Like, I'm not going to go look necessarily for another job. I'm not going to let Hope die with this place closing. I'm going to take tours here. I want to prove right now, let's do this right now with, you know, experimenting and tools that I've got. Let's prove that there are ghosts are here. We're going to do ghost tours here. And the girl shows interest in it, obviously, because she's younger. And I like that it isn't heavily predicated on sexual tension between the two. Yeah, not then at we all. focus more on the storytelling. Um, Actually, there's that one scene where he's in his underwear and she's just, it's not like, oh, we, look at him. She's more like... Oh, she's uncomfortable because he's just sitting on his right. bed in his room. Yeah, we start like, to teeter, but then we realize to the viewer, we're going the opposite direction. Right. Clean it up. Get over yourself. We're going on with the story. And I, I like that. I, that. Um, I like the different parts within the story and the ambiguity that they bring to it to where it lets your imagination kind of start to paint the picture before we've reached a verdict, which I think is a common problem with people's response to this film is their imagination has wandered enough to where they want something spelled out for them and it isn't and that's what i've grown to love about the movie is that there's really two possible scenarios do you want me to go into them yet are we far enough along on that all right before you do that let Let me me let me trash it real quick yeah let me trash it let me play well i'm not gonna try no it's not trashing it okay Go ahead and do yours, and then I'm not going to trash it, but I want to hear his thing. So go ahead, Chris. So we finally get some evidence. We get yeah. some piano keys playing. Yeah. We get the, the old lady in the bed sheet next to her. We get the weird old man who checks in. We have the author who checks in. Um, I don't know why I put the note here. I put drunk me bat. Don't know what that means. Uh, what was it? <laughs> drunk me bat. Is there somebody with a bat in Phil? No, I think you were just drunk and you saw something. <laughs> You're talking about the roost, dog. <laughs> That's your note, man. You took a note in the wrong spot. So, so <laughs> shit starts getting real and Healy's character leaves. Like, he's like, I can't right. deal with this. I'm leaving. 
But then he comes back after she finds out that the old man has killed himself. And then we go on this weird tirade where she starts seeing things and she goes down into the basement and she's like, I can't go into the basement. And she goes into the basement. She gets locked into the basement and the ghost shows up and then she's dead and her inhaler's gone because she has asthma. And then Healy comes back the next day and they're with the cops and he's like, I tried to get in. I was That's hoping banging to get here. In. Yeah. That's the that you think is the ghost. What? That, that's the banging you the hear. The banging you hear that you think is the ghost? Is Healy. Is Healy trying to yeah. get in. So, right. I got that. And so, like, he's like, I was trying to get in. And I and then Healy has that weird conversation with the author. And he's like, well, you know, we need some, some they need some statements from us. And he's like, you knew this was going to happen all along. And she's like, well, who could know? End of the movie. My turn? Yeah. Um, I liked a lot. I, I did like a lot of the things like you were saying. I thought the movie ran a little bit slow for me because um, the two characters to me were just, I didn't think they were that interesting. And I think that was summed up. And I know a lot of people said that's the interesting part. When the female character is in the room with Kelly McGillis and she's like, so what do you do? And she's like, I work at the hotel. She's like, no, 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 no. What else do you do? And she's like, I work at the hotel. You see what I'm saying? Like, that was just further letting me know that this character really doesn't do much. Uh, the ghost hunting aspect of this, uh, we find out that Luke's a lion sissy. He fabricated all the stories. But Ty kind of lets us know that the whole time when she's like, man, wouldn't it have been awesome if you'd have had your camera when you saw that? And he was like, yeah, but I didn't have my camera. So we already knew that he hadn't seen anything. Like, the characters were just very transparent to me. And the ending, I, I I was so far into the movie that by the ending, I had just given up. I didn't care. Oh, and I got to throw this out there. If you kill yourself naked in a bathtub, would you really be wearing boxers? Would your ghost be wearing boxers? I thought that was kind of funny. I just laughed at that. This the old is man, a family film. The old man later in the basement is like wearing boxer shorts. Trying to get at least a limited release. We can't have his dog <laughs> hanging out. But you could have his dog hanging out and show it in the background. Let the record show <laughs> Matt Chan wants to see Pecker. I want to see old man dog. More swinging dog. But in it, no, but I mean, there just a lot of the things for it. Like, I thought it was just real slow. I didn't need a, you said a bunch of stuff spelled out. I didn't need stuff spelled out for me as just the, the format just I would have liked to see more happen because by the time I wrote those notes, I was like, Oh, the bird jump scare didn't it wasn't anything for me. I was like, Oh, it was a bird. And then the ghost with the rotting flesh, I was like, Oh, wow, we finally see she popped up, but she's not that scary and you were already expecting it because of the time that it came up. Like you could kind of point out yeah. when things were gonna happen. Well, and see, and that's my problem, too, is I like this film enough that I didn't need it spelled out for me, but I needed some coherence. I guess I, I'm just I'm a little surprised that you guys are talking about things spelled out because the common complaint with this film is how gray area it is. What I, is the ending? What is it about? There's two endings. Go ahead. To, to me, this is how I viewed it. There are two endings. One, there are no ghosts. Yep. There is a lonely man who came to this hotel because it had meaning to him and killed himself there because it's closing. Yep. That his life 
is done, and this is where he wants it to be over. And we've got a young girl who has an over overactive imagination yep. who gets her inhaler separated from her when she falls down the steps, and that's it. See, that's that's actually that's what I ending. took from this. We can so also it's a drama. We can also take the ending that Madeline, the very fabled ghost that we cover throughout the film, which we really haven't talked much about in here, that there's folklore around Madeline there and being separated from her lover, we could look at it as the man who comes to the hotel is the husband. Yep. And because our said main female character gets in the way of Madeline in the basement, is killed by the ghost. We also see our main female character in the blind at the end of the film when the door just sits with the door open she's in the curtain there and they leave it very discreetly so we can see her um but that she also becomes part of the hotel at that point kind of in the sense of the shining she has become right, right, right. part of the spirits there you've always been here kind but of. i like that the film doesn't quite hammer it down enough to where you can take the ending as you want with the film. What's unfortunate about it is I feel like the majority of viewers took neither. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to me, I took it as this girl is just lonely. She doesn't really have a lot in life. And actually the, I'm glad you brought that scene up the point where she asked her, which by the way, it's painful to watch McGinnis from top gun. And that's, it just reminds <laughs> us we're getting older. Um, Although she still looks fine, it's just recognition. No, but of age. it was like seeing her as a young, right. pretty blonde, and then the next day seeing her look like that, I was like, Jesus. But and also, it's important know, too with her too. reminding her to stay out of the basement because she can see into the future. She, but we don't know if she can see into the future because she knows she's going to get separated from her inhaler, or because said ghost is going to attack her. I like that we never quite differentiate the two. Right. I think that it creates just enough of mystique in a ghost story that makes it fun for me at least to come back to and that's why then we rewind back to the beginning why i like these two characters being likable people and that it's not constant hammering you over the head with scares that they're enough of likable characters and interesting enough with their banter with each other that it's rewatchable because you know that there's going to be the ambiguous, but still a payoff in some sense once you've gathered the different options for what you can look at. That's why I was saying earlier when I watched this film initially, I was kind of disappointed with it. But the more I've watched it, I realized, at least for me, it was pretty layered and there was a lot more going on there than I, I was completely oblivious to the first time I watched it. I just watched it and thought... Well, they were ghost hunters and there was a couple of scary scenes, which might I add, the scene with Madeline sitting up in bed is terrifying. Oh, yeah, it totally is. Um, but my initial viewing for that, I just thought, man, there's a few scary parts. What, you, you I didn't think that was scary, but you're good. How on earth do you not think that is scary? Dude, it really wasn't. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Things that you, well, not to me. It's, it's just to me. I'm not getting on anybody that thought it was scary. I just. Why are you calling us stupid? No, I didn't say you're stupid. <laughs> no, I mean. <laughs> no, no, I didn't say you're stupid. Like, Jesus like that was my. No, I get you, man. That was my take on it. Was I was like, it's all in this girl's head because she didn't see the get the dead guy. Obviously, he wouldn't have been a ghost till then. But she did she, after she saw the bodies when she saw the ghost, and after it was kind of well, she's in the basement. Kelly McGinnis told her something was in the basement. She goes to the basement. That's when she starts actually seeing the ghost and. And then we find out that Pat Healy never really has seen, or Pat Healy's character, 
Luke has never seen anything in the house. Like, that's what I took from him. I was like, this isn't a horror movie. This is a movie about a little girl with an overactive imagination who died because of unfortunate circumstance. Like, that's kind of the way I took it. And this shit at the end where you're like, she's become a part of the hotel. Honestly, bro, like, I had never, I didn't even think of that. Like, you good, good looking out on well, that. They I didn't show think, her. Well, that's what I'm saying. But I mean, I didn't really look at it that way. Yeah. By that point, I was done. Wow. You see what I'm saying? So, good looking on that. I mean, I can definitely see why someone wouldn't like this movie, but I don't think I don't think it can be denied or debated that it's horror. I think there's enough there yeah. that it is a horror okay. film. I mean, e- even if it's not effective to you, I would right, still right, right. categorize this in that vein. But again, you know, I just I think the storytelling is rich enough, um, and the rewatchability is there that it's worth somebody watching if they haven't before but you know i understand why it wouldn't be loved by all oh yeah it's it's not a straightforward film but to me it's intelligent it has great storytelling um and you know like i said being honest i'm getting more out of it with repeated viewings more much more than i did the first viewing um some like the sixth sense for instance yeah they hammered you over the head at the end of that oh yeah this doesn't and that's bold to me because there's there's no promise somebody's gonna watch your movie again if they didn't like it the first time. Well, and that's why Ty West ain't getting that Shyamalan money. Yeah, <laughs> that's the damn truth. Hey y'all, let's get let's give Ty West because listen, man, let's give Ty West that Shyamalan money for the next because anybody can write something better than the Village. Anybody? Man, I, like I wrote that. something better than the Village in no, the you rapper didn't. yesterday. Nope. Nope. I like I like the Village. I like I the village. <laughs> you guys want to move on? Yes. No, for real, but Professor noted, man, like. And that's uh, that's the reason we do this. No, and so and, cool. and I'm more excited too because being oh. like I said, being honest, going oh, into yeah, this yeah, episode, yeah. I was not crazy about this film. I'm excited that I got so much more enjoyment out of it right for on. this viewing. Well, and I'm saying, like I said too, I mean, up until the ending, which I still not sold on, I like the film. Like I, I yeah. like how it's made. I like the characters. I like all that. I so. like Pat Healy. Mm-hmm. Cheap thrills. Yep. Cheap thrill me. I hugged that man. All right, next, Mad Cheesy. Okay, so next we're going to go into Ty West uh, segment from VHS. It's called Second Honeymoon. VHS came out in 2012, and this segment was written and directed by Ty. It's basically about two people that are on a second honeymoon. They ch- they, uh, We see them on the, I don't know if it's cross-country really, but we see them on Great a Cajun. road trip. Tra- yeah, road trip type travel. They check into a hotel room. Um We've been watching their home video footage right. of them hiking. At the of them hiking. They go back to the room. And then shit starts to get real. Gris? The funny thing is. No. Hey, okay. <laughs> I watched it. Did you watch it? Yes. No, I watched VHS. <laughs> the funny thing is. is I'm teasing with you. <laughs> that woman's wearing a Grizzly Abner sweater if I ever see one. She got bears on it. Did you see that? The funny thing is. I watched VHS when it came out. Which is what year again? 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I watched it three years ago. Liked it. Liked every segment. Um, but I don't remember this one at all, and I didn't rewatch it. I feel like such a bum. I know. That's why I called you out. You told yeah, me yeah, that. Yeah. I decided to call you out. I was like, I'm going to throw him under the bus. Don't you dare step to me, son. Uh, no, I remember I remember the bookmark. I remember the segments around this one, but I just don't remember this one. Uh, I'll tell you this. I don't remember it being bad. So because <laughs> you don't remember it, Professor. Um, I it was a great segment. 
Um, especially because Matt Chance. <laughs> it, no, it was it was a great segment because it didn't rely heavily on gimmicks, which right. I thought was particularly effective for the format of watching an old VHS film back from the era that we're supposed to believe we're watching. So right. when you start combining in CGI stuff and some of the other segments, it like the it kind of starts to be distracting. Um, so I thought that. It, it was particularly effective in, within the format of the film um, in the sense of a discovered found footage and we're watching home movies from a honeymoon. I like that we start out seeing traditional footage from a honeymoon. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there really isn't that much to it. It's not that innovative or anything that different. It's just effective. It was a nice segment in an anthology film. Um, we, you know, we kind of feel along with the couple in the room kind of weirded out by what's going out in the parking lot with the girl asking for the ride the next day. Right. And you know, it, it's supremely scary when the camera turns back on in the middle of the night and it's the couple in bed. Now the wife and I stopped at a hotel in Oklahoma city on our way to Vegas. Just, I needed to sleep. It was two in the morning, checked in for six hours. I opened every door. I looked behind everything and rattled every cage because this segment came up in my mind. And I was like, oh, my God, I got to make sure because I'm in a funky funky hotel room right outside of Oklahoma City. You know what I'm saying? And every time I check into a hotel room, I kind of give it the once over. Now, when I'm staying with you guys or we're at a convention, it's a little bit different. But when it's just me and the wife by by ourselves – I will lock the door, chain the door. I will put the uh, I'll put the little extra chair in front of the window. <laughs> Nobody's coming in that room, son. Well, don't forget, Oklahoma borders with Texas. <laughs> <laughs> the Grand Canyon's in uh, Arizona. You said Oklahoma. I know, but why would I care that it borders with Texas? Because Texas is fucking scary, dog. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's all sorts of horror movies in Texas. <laughs> okay, well, like, I think we were talking about they were at the Grand Canyon. Right, but you were in like, Oklahoma. I was in Oklahoma. It borders with Texas, which is next to Arizona, and people get killed there. Boom. Boom. <laughs> I do have some notes about this. Um, <laughs> the dude begging, uh, Joe Swanberg, begging uh, for the chick to make out with him on camera pretty much sums up my entire high school career. I thought that was great because it was realistic. He's like, come on. So this isn't the up. segment with the chick who's like, I like you. Real creepy. No, that's the heartbeat. <laughs> all right. All right. That's yeah. the heartbeat. Um, the chick is wearing a Grizzly Adner sweatshirt. If you guys watch this segment, <laughs> she has a sweatshirt with bears wearing hunting gear on them. It. And it looked like Grizzly Abner. It looked like somebody has it in his closet now. So you guys need to, if you guys see that sweatshirt, send it to Grizzly Abner, please. Um, the chick came to the door looking for a ride. I th- one thing I did think was weird was the couple were sleeping in different beds. They were on their second honeymoon. He's obviously got the wedding ring on. Um, even though the room had two queen beds, they each slept in a different bed. I've been in a hotel room with a wife before where that was a thing. We still slept in the same bed. I, uh, with my late wife, I've been in hotel rooms where there were two beds and we were like, oh, stretching out tonight. <laughs> We may really? Have, we may have been in one bed for a while, but we went to separate beds. What's that mean? No, I'm teasing. No, no, but for real, you've done that. Partially because of my snoring. 
Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's know, a, that like, was the thing. Sleeping was diagonal thing. is the best thing ever. <laughs> that was a big thing with you I guys. also I, remember, I took yeah. that as also part of just storytelling within such a short format because obviously the reveal that we're going in the learning yeah, soon, yeah. within that little segment, that just plays into it. That, Can you, know, you guys explain the reveal? Maybe that uh, the reveal is that the the reveal is that the strange woman who sneaks in in the middle of the night into the hotel room is actually the lover of the wife. Yeah. In the of the married couple in the and room, they, and they run away together. Yeah, they kill the they kill the husband Joe Swan Joe Swanberg, and then run away. Now that was my only other question: Why didn't they, she just kill him night one? Why did we have to go through the whole second day of hiking through the Grand Canyon? Because like it was like we could have got this yeah. shit over with, or the tried and tried the <laughs> blah, blah, blah. pardon me. Take uh, the first rule of found footage is why is it found footage? Right. Right. Why would you tape killing a husband? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and because the wife even makes yeah, that point to be like, did you erase it? Yeah. She's like, did you erase it? Like, I don't know. It, so, it was effective. It was affordable right. for an anthology, but it's I just said, whatever. It just further proves his strength at stretching a budget. Guys, the harpy was still my favorite one of VHS. Yeah, it was intense. One. When she grows in wings and flies, I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Scared the crap out hey, of Hey, Ty, me. why didn't you do the heartbeat, man? <laughs> <laughs> On to the next one. <laughs> no, no, for, for, for real. Uh, now, going into, uh, I, I want to say the last that we're going to discuss is The Sacrament, 2013, written and directed by Ty West, starring Joe Swanberg, A.J. Bowen, Amy, Sm- Cy- C- whatever, Amy, Cypress Hill, whatever, <laughs> the father played by a guy named Gene Jones, remember that name, and my favorite name in any movie I've ever seen, Ken Tucker, his name is Ken Tucker, oddly, Ken Tucker, K-E-N-T-U-C-K-E-R, if there are any of you rednecks out there that haven't thought about naming your kid Ken Tucker, somebody yeah, did it, so go ahead, you won't be the first. Um, it's called the Sacrament. Um, I liked it better by the other name, the Jim Jones story. Right. But I love this movie. Go. Let me start yeah, by please. saying I was heavily anticipating this mm-hmm. film. Same here. Knowing that it was going to be a send up of Jonestown. Um, I how, didn't know that. I won't put that out. However, it was to Jonestown for me. It was. I wanted some sort of differentiation from the story. And so uh, I'm just going to say right off the bat here, it was well made, well shot, well acted. Everything about it was fantastic except the story. To me, if I want to know the story, I'm just going to watch a documentary about Jonestown. It's identical. It's identical. There's no major separation. Down to the point, the only thing that's missing is when the little girl hands him the note that says, please help us, they're, they're missing a senator. That's all they're missing. That's it. That is it. That is- it's, it's a news crew, it's a, it's a news crew without, the, without the politician. That's all it is. And, uh, and to be fair, in discussing this with some of the younger people from the cons that we hang out with, right. they're like, oh, well, I don't know much about Jonestown. I'm like, then this is the movie for you. You're going to love it. Oh, and yeah, definitely. Definitely. But for us... We know Jonestown inside and out because we're from where Jim Jones came from. He went to high school. Right. So we know Jonestown in and out. That's a big claim to fame in our town. When we got to the end, I was just like, 
what creativity did it take to make this? You just regurgitated the Jonestown story almost verbatim. So, it's well made. Yeah. I'm not taking anything away from this film except for it's unoriginal. Anybody else want to take a shot at Oh, that? yeah, I've got a few things. Go ahead. No. I agree. I mean, that's all there is to it. I just... I. I looked forward to this movie so much. I knew that it was going to be at least bare minimum loosely inspired by the incidents. Yeah. Um, now, first and foremost, I do want to give credit to the film in one aspect. I feel like common perception of the events that happened at that were suicide. Yep. They were not. Yep. Um, that's a good, that's a great point to make. Let me bring that to the forefront. They were, it was not a mass suicide. Now, this film it does was suicide at gunpoint. Yeah, it does address that to a certain degree, but I still don't think it captures quite the nuts of what people went through out there. With right. now, the thing like with the baby with the syringe, oh, yeah, I was just that's real. That. that really happened. Yep. And the man that's one of the three survivors was the father of that child. Yep. Um, my problem with this movie is that it doesn't have the courage and conviction to own the names and the real events. And I find it borderline in bad taste yep. to draw from the events without having the courage and conviction. It just label it what it is, man. Don't like that's don't my, make the fucking Jonestown yeah. story and not call it the Jonestown story. Yeah, that's story. my problem I'm with right it. Is with like you. you're gonna act like this. I don't is, cuss on this podcast yeah. much. <laughs> yeah, but it's I like, do the cussing for everybody. You, right. Fuck yeah, you do. The <laughs> the the thing with it is is that. If you're going to take a story based on what <laughs> happened there and even go in to such deeper detail of what really happened there, own it, man. Like, right. And that's what right. drove me nuts about it. I, I'm, I'm just like, dude, like, you're basically doing a dramatization at this point without labeling names yep. and giving absolutely no props to what really occurred back there and instead making it a hipster vice Right experience with the right. with the electronic independent music to start out with, which I loved and hated at the same yeah, time. Right. Just, I love Vice. I love yeah, Vice and I like all those things too. But it's yeah. just in bad taste. Yep. And like you can you can label it avant garde all you want. To me, I just label it as cowardly to not take the you know ownership of of what you're deciding to cover. Man, those people those people died out there. Yeah. And under horrible circumstances, and the true story is far more scary and interesting for storytelling than what was decided to be put in this movie. And I just don't understand why they didn't stick to that, because the film looks gorgeous. And oh, yeah. the acting in it is exceptional, particularly A.J. Bowen. Oh, definitely. Oh, that, so that guy is so good yeah, in this movie, but, right? But I'm just so frequently distracted by... And the guy by, who played Jim Jones. Yeah. Oh, Frequently brother, distracted guy. by making comparisons That's to the real-life story. Like, And I remember posting this on uh, social media back when I first watched it, and I think possibly interacting with you, Grizz, and maybe even uh, Justin's little sister about this. I remember this exact conversation, which my argument then was, and I still haven't wavered from it, was go either direction. Either own it completely as just basing it on what happened or veer off. Make this leader a goddamn werewolf. 
anything. Right. And that's what I was hoping for. I was hoping for at the end something supernatural would happen. He'd turn into a demon. He'd turn into something. Yeah. No. Or half the people would revolt and kill him. Yes. Just don't mimic what really happened there and then not act like that's not what you're making the movie about. That's what drove me nuts is that at no point. No ownership. There was no ownership of the true life story and what we were watching on on film, which for the most part, people watching know what they were watching. Guys, that's why I said pointed out that the, the guy who played this character, Father, his name is Gene Jones. Like, <laughs> right. you know what I'm saying? Like, there's even that to it. Um, I just think it's weird that the, the movie, I'm, I come right out and I'm just like, I love this movie. And you guys are like, fuck you. Just because I hated the innkeepers, whatever. But <laughs> we talked no, beforehand about no, it. But anyways, so no, but anyway, no, but anyway, all, like, all, uh, the, all planned. The wife was uh, the wife was in the room while I was watching this movie. She wasn't really watching the movie, but there were certain scenes she popped up for, like the scene with the helicopter out through the bushes. She was like, "I've seen." She's like, "Are you watching Jonestown?" Yeah, I was like, "No," and she's like, "I've seen this picture before," and brought it up online. It's almost shot, yeah, yeah, shot. and that's that was one of the weird things about it. And that's where we started talking about. I was like, "What did, did that happen?" And she was like, "Yeah, it happened to a senator." Like when they went down there, when they tried to come back, they fought them off, and they were at gunpoint. You know, so uh, we were talking about that. I just think it's when the when I saw the drink at the end. That's what kind of sealed it for me. I I do love the film. Don't get me wrong. And AJ Bowen and. Joe Swanberg are a large reason why I love this film. Absolutely. But I think the ending took too long. We know what's happening. Get there. I just, especially the scene where the, where she shoots her brother. Full I think of, that's what makes me more angry is that we had to wait for the ending. We had to wait for the payoff. And it wasn't anything creative. Exactly. Like, it, she shoots her brother up with... She tries to give him to drink the Kool-Aid. He's tied to a chair. He battles it out of her hands. So she shoots him in the neck. And then for, like, minutes, we're sitting there in a scene watching this guy, not very well, might I add, die on camera. Yeah. And the sister coming to the realization of, oh, my God, what did I just do? We knew that was going to happen. Why did we have to sit in that moment? Because that was one time I didn't like the moment. Still like the movie. Really, really like the movie, but that was one time I couldn't. I was done. I'm kind of in the middle on that on on that particular well, scene. Um, I I do like in the sense of uh, in movies there hasn't been many instances where we watch death how it really is, which yeah. was long and upsetting. Yeah. Um, okay. I thought that that took some courage well and done. and and particularly effective. I I didn't think he was great at good in that scene at all. Really? Yeah. Um. Well, and. You know, label me corny on this, but I like that the breeze blows through and we see the papers blowing across the desk. It's just very serene um, and quiet and miserable. Yeah. And, and you know, like, that's the thing. There's there's lots of, of things in this film, and that's my problem with it, is that there's lots of courageous moments like that. That takes a director with balls to do that kind of scene. But then yeah, you don't but- have the courage to take ownership of the overall film. And that's what drives me nuts about it. It's like, there's all these glimpses of creativity, but then you're going to mirror a real life event and not say that you're mirroring it. Like, that's just my biggest problem with the film. I, I like it. Okay. Like it's something I have no problem rewatching. It's got enough merit in it, but oh, definitely. I, I think it's got the, a uh, weird thing I can't put my finger on that just rubs me the no wrong way. I have no problem recommending it. Like, yeah. watch this oh, film. yeah, definitely. But at the same time, if you're going to watch this movie, do your Jonestown research. Mm-hmm. Learn who Jim Jones is. Learn about what he did in Lynn and Richmond, Indiana. 
Learn about when High he school, went out to yeah. Berkeley. Learn about the People's Temple. Learn about what he did because this is a huge cultural thing. It's not just about the massacre. Yeah. Well, this, yeah. this was this was capitalizing on what people wanted in the country at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it played on sympathies. It played on spiritual needs. It played on all of that. It also is yeah. symbolic for the times, too, in the event of this happened the same week as Harvey Milk being gunned down in San Francisco, where this movement came from. And not long after this whole movement of love and flower children, um, Utopia has all drank and poison together. And then the man who is preaching for so many good things is gunned down. Like there was all these things, bam, 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 you know, just, yeah, there's a whole lot more to it than, than just what was discovered out there. I, and you know, I, I do like to stress that I like that the film tells more of the truth than the common public opinion has had of it. I like in the sense of, of something like the term drinking the Kool-Aid has become comical and I don't think it's funny at all. No, but, not at all. Um, you know, I don't. I don't let that you know be a killjoy in a room. But it's like when people say drinking the Kool Aid, it's like, and you must not be old enough to remember where that comes from. <laughs> and you mean for yeah. gunpoint? And so here's a movie that goes into it for an hour and a half, hour and forty minutes, whatever, and lets you know exactly what drinking the Kool Aid was. That the fact that these guys walked around with guns and posed bodies to make them look like they were hugging each other. And leaving this world in love together when they weren't. They were scared to death and puking and, and throwing up foam. Like, those people weren't hugging. That was posed for, for the after pictures. Like, oh, it was it. a it was a massacre out there. Brother, what about that scene where A.J. Bowen puts that chick over his head and she's foaming all yeah. the way down his cheek? Oh, that was so... That was, that was just like... That was real, dude. Picture. That was just like... That, got, yeah. that had more of an effect on me than most yeah. other things. And so... I just, I can't, it's it's such a bizarre experience because I can't put my finger on it because part of me does like the fact that we almost have this this fictional trip into the area without making it just a straight documenting of it where we're getting to experience it almost more firsthand. But at the same time, it, it just really rubs me the wrong way that yes. we act like it's not that. Dude, it right. makes you wonder if Ty went in and pitched, I want to make a Jim Jones movie and they were like, no. And he pitched whatever this and whatever the sacrament ended up being, and somebody else gave him money because then nobody wanted to make that Jim Jones. This movie. This is a docudrama without the real names attached. Yeah. Exactly. He somebody got the wool pulled over their eyes because if you would have just made it a straight Jonestown movie, people would have lined up by the droves to hand him money to watch. Oh, it. definitely. Like it would have made more money, right? If yeah. it was just a telling of it. And but. it's and, and as much as it upsets me. It's a good movie. Yeah, that's oh, what's so that's, weird that's about that's it. Oh, brother, it's a good movie, bro. The interview scene, like Gene Jones killed it. Oh yeah, like the that whole like the so whole that. interview scene. That's so it much like me. the scene when we're in the real footage really? when they that's go down. Saying. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I'm saying. It, it was very reminiscent for me watching it watching it today of like the Aiden Cooper scene from uh from Red State. You know, just that guy, that guy full of charisma. And the Gene Jones character, the guy who played that, played that, Gene Jones was the the actor, sorry. But the father character, that guy had the charisma to pull that off. Yep. And it was just like, watching it, you're like, man, I want to live in this utopian society, man. Like, he makes it seem appealing. And this is why we don't conform with, 
with the beliefs back there because you have a war coming and we're not going to be a part of your bloody human war. We're not going to be a part of your American, you know, next war. We're going to live down here and be in, be in peace and be free. And then at the end, he's justifying killing all these people. Yeah. Do you brothers and sisters? Do you what? No, no. Cause the, uh, the one guy stands up, he's like, father, but we've worked so hard to build this place. He's like, now, now listen here. And he goes into preaching. He's justifying to himself why all these people have to die. And these people are crying. And that's how you know, like you said, Professor, you did it great. These people are crying. They're they're like, we don't want to do this. The woman comes over to feed the baby, the syringe, and the mother's looking away. Not, I'll see you in heaven. Not my my child. Just she couldn't bear to be there. And that was that right there just it man. And if she would have ran, she got shot in the back. Yeah, exactly. Like many did. Yep. And that and that's the one thing I do truly love about this movie is that it did convey some of that, even if it is inadvertently. I wish it would have been directly labeled to it and just said that's what it is. But, I mean, talk to the one, the one guy that, that talks about this. He'll tell you this wasn't a mass suicide. It was a murder. These people were forced to drink this. And it drives me nuts that the media can sell more magazine coverage with bodies draped hugging, you know, out there together. Right. Um uh, that it, over time, that's what it's just going to turn into. That's not the case. These, right. And so I respect this film for doing that. I just wish they would have owned it more directly. Um, and, and I feel like if you would have made it from back in that time, it's much more effective. Um, there isn't, there isn't a group of people that are going to as quickly move for a utopia now yeah. as, as there was Everybody's in the late sixties and seventies. Right. Yeah. You know, before, before <laughs> we're skeptical about people we met, we meet on Facebook. Yeah, I mean, how often like, can you get people to go camp with you for a weekend? Let alone people you move into yeah, the yeah, exactly. jungle. But um, you know, it's funny too. I mean, but but then again, there aren't people that skeptical to go hook up with strangers on Tinder. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's I'm just true. saying. That's it. I'm going to start a Tinder revolution, dog. <laughs> We're start the, so yeah, t- the this, Tinder Jonestown. <laughs> this is one of the <laughs> Tinder Jonestown. You plant that corn. You meet me out back. <laughs> We're going to call it the Loving Tinder Georgetown. <laughs> uh, final th- final thoughts on this movie. I think we got to get there. We do. We got to wrap up. Uh, I hate and love this movie at the same time. Yeah, dude. It's one of the few movies I won't give a direct label to in terms of how I feel about it because I, I don't know. It's going to take, I think, a long time and multiple viewings before I really have an honest opinion on it. I do, I do just want to share one quick thing. My dad delivered mail to family members of Jip Jones and said it was absolutely heartbreaking all through the wow. um, end of the early oh, yeah. 80s. Just just endless amounts of hate mail. When was it, 78? Yeah, I mean, he was still dealing with it just right before I was born, I think. Mm-hmm. So right at the end of the 70s, end of the early 80s. I can't remember oh, if, it sure was, family was still getting hate if it was Jones' parents or his in-laws. The ones that lived on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I know where you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I've been there. But yeah, um, I would recommend it to anybody who has even the slightest ounce of interest. I just, I can't, I can't give a sample of approval or denial. Um, I said, I said kicking it off that I love this movie. Um, I think the thing, it wasn't the the story that made me love this movie as much as it was the actors. And I'll go that again. Like Joe did an awesome job. So well. AJ, AJ AJ did an awesome job. Um, Gene Jones, like he really had me convinced, man. Like I said, and uh, the little girl. Um, that little girl made me feel for her. She was a mute, but just facial expressions and 
I mean, there was a lot to this movie that I really did like. So, do we want to go into our final thoughts about overall Ty West? Sure. Let's wrap up. Uh, overall thoughts of Ty West, I think that he has potential. And I think we've seen a lot of that. Okay. So, uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on record here saying the same thing I did about Adam Green. You know, um, I know that we are all marks for Adam Green, but I'm not as nuts about Adam Green as you guys are. But I think that Adam Green is going to have a long and promising career. And I think the same thing about Ty West. I think that we can expect to see great things out of Ty West, just like we can from Adam Green. So um, I'm looking forward to the next thing he makes, and I'll watch it. Oh, definitely. Um, I've I've enjoyed his work um, up until now. It, it's been tough at times, right? It, 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 not in it, with the initial viewing of each film. The only one I watched the first time where I loved it was House of the Devil. Right on. Like from the from five minutes into that, I was enamored with it, and it stayed throughout. I've always liked that film. Um, I'm interested to see. I think that his leash will get shorter and shorter. Um, with Ty, with Ty West, I hope that his career, his career does remain, remain long and fruitful. Um, but the window is going to shrink in terms of the audience and the people who are patient enough, uh, hardcore movie watchers to really appreciate some of the things he he's doing, because I think he is very intelligent and he's a great filmmaker. Um, but he needs to. He needs to reel back sometimes on maybe the 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 self-serving filmmaking, if that makes sense. Like it doesn't always need to be just about trying to be different every time. Just just make a movie that's you without twisting it too hard. You know what I mean? Like something yeah. like the Sacrament. I feel like I felt like it was a little self-serving in the yeah. sense of just just take ownership, man. Like it was a true story, and that's what you're you're making a movie about, and that's that could be a downfall that I hope he reels back on. I'm interested to see his next project, which will be a Western um, and a big scale one with John Travolta, Ethan Hawke, Tessa Formiga. Ty Western. Yeah, I got it uh, down here. In a Valley of Violence is the name of it. So, Sweet. Looking forward to so it. He, he's certainly not trying to corner himself in the market. Cool. I, I look forward it. to it. Uh, right on, man. Keep doing your thing. Um, as long as he keeps doing that. He'll find his market. I mean, he's already found an audience. People, obviously, he's uh, X amount of features into it right now. Um, get ready to do a big Western, like you say, with Travolta. Uh, the guy's found something. Sorry. The guy's found something. And um, I'll definitely check it out. I'm not going to classify him as one of my top five or top ten horror directors. But I found a couple movies that I really enjoy. And I... I think I found something that something to look forward to in the future, like the new Ty West yeah. movie, kind of like a new Eli Roth movie. Like, oh, there's one coming out. I, I, I'm going to seek it out a little more than I would have before. Yeah, especially in the Sacrament really helped that. I just want to point that out. Awesome, great, great, very good. Well, wrapping up this long episode about Ty West. I am one of your hosts. I'm Grizzly Adner, joined by uh, Mad Chan, Professor Wagstaff. All right, my friends, be sure to check out new directors. Give them a shot. Check out Ty West, and remember always. Hold on, hold on. Also, oh, oh. also check out www.midwestmonsters.net. Yeah, baby. For all things Midwest monsters. <laughs> and stay scared. <laughs> Are you not the babysitter? <laughs> <laughs>